Wild animals are frightening, but a wild animal with the mind of a human? Twilight, Beauty and the Beast and the Michaels were not the first to tell these tales. Hey doll, you know I'm a fan of horror and mystery, yet I'm yet to cover any cryptids. So I'm doing it now. Werewolves, and a cat. If you go back into Irish history far enough, you will find writings that describe what we would today consider werewolves. One poem describes how some men could go into a deep sleep-like trance, during which their souls would leave their bodies and enter into a wolf. The wolves would go hunting, and if they were successful, meat would appear in the sleeping man's mouth. However, the same was true if the wolf was injured. If they got injured as a wolf, the injury would form on the human's body. While in wolf form, the sleeping human bodies were extremely vulnerable. Friends and family were not supposed to move or wake the men in the trance. Instead, they had to protect them. If the human body was disturbed while the soul was in the wolf, it could not return and would become trapped in the wolf forever. Forever a werewolf. In 12th century Ireland, there was a legendary warrior wolf. Lainach Fela was said to be descendant from a tribe of werewolves. These werewolves were related to the kings of Ossery, today's Kilkenny and Leash. Another old Celtic poem describes Lainach Fela and his offspring as feral beings, who would go wolfing, tearing their prey and enemies apart like wild animals. In the 13th century, werewolf descriptions continue but differ. More writings describe werewolves as humans cursed by God for their wickedness. The story goes that when St. Patrick was converting the Irish to Christianity, an unknown but perhaps now forgotten town resented St. Patrick. They wanted him gone and they howled him out of the town. St. Patrick prayed to God to give this wicked town a fitting punishment. Hence, the vengeful god turned the whole town into werewolves, trapping the minds of the humans in the bodies of beasts, forcing them to eat and live like dogs outside. However, the curse was not a one-size-fits-all. Some of the werewolves were not permanently transformed. Some were punished for seven years, while the lucky ones were only punished every seventh winter and given the chance to repent. So, I guess that was nice? Decades later, an unnamed priest was travelling the centre and north of Ireland when he encountered a lone wolf in the woods. The priest was terrified and believed that this was his final moment. To his amazement, the wolf spoke and told the priest to not be afraid. The priest responded and begged the wolf not to harm him and asked him, how on earth is it that you can talk? The wolf replied, there are two of us left, a man and a woman, natives of Ossery who, through a curse, are compelled every seven years to turn into a wolf for seven more years. And at the end of the seven years, if we by chance survive, two other wretched souls will take our place and we will return to human form. The wolf then confided in the priest, saying that his wife was dangerously, deathly ill. The priest quickly followed the wolf through the forest and to his den. There, the priest gave the female wolf her last rites, absolved her of her sins, and gave her holy communion. The sick wolf's fur and skin fell away to reveal a frail elderly woman. Perhaps these are the last two werewolves recorded in Ireland, as there's not much more after that. However, the extinction of direwolves has been questioned. The direwolves from Game of Thrones were a real species that existed in Ireland about 12,000 years ago. They had hard, heavy bones that brought their weight 
up to £240 and their bite 30% more powerful than today's grey wolves. It is agreed that prehistoric dire wolves are fully extinct today. However, sightings in County Fermanagh, where Game of Thrones forests were filmed, could suggest otherwise. In 2012, local hikers claimed to witness a pack of these fearsome dire wolves on the hunt, describing them as wolves but with stockier legs and a wider head and shorter ears, which matched the description of these ancient beasts exactly. While no sightings in Fermanagh have been reported since then, whisperings of their presence continue around the county to this day. Anyway, enough dogs. Where are the kitty cats? Cat. In 1968, Margaret O'Brien and her husband purchased an abandoned house on the outskirts of Dublin City. Margaret had grand design intentions. She wanted to restore the house to its former beauty and reopen it as a public arts centre. Margaret was a busy woman juggling many projects at once. So she allowed several workmen to live in the house while they worked on the renovation. But soon, the workmen began to report back to the O'Briens some disturbing noises at night. They were haunted, hounded by animal sounds coming from inside the walls. The workmen searched and searched the house and inside the walls, but they couldn't find this animal. Margaret disregarded their concerns as overly dramatic, but soon she would learn for herself the strange condition of the building. Arriving at the house one evening to speak with the project's lead painter, he complained to her of more animal sounds spooking the men. Eventually, Margaret agreed to stay the night to see what happens for herself. Margaret didn't hear a thing, but as she made her way to the bedroom that night, she saw it for the first time. A gargantuan black cat sitting in the middle of the hallway. The creature, she claimed, was no ordinary house cat. Rather, it was as big as a panther. She could tell it was smart. She could tell it was studying her. She could tell it was evil. Margaret blinked and the cat disappeared from sight. Margaret told the workman, yes indeed, there is something inside this house. Soon after this meeting, the lead painter also saw the cat. But this time, the monster's cat was surrounded by a heavy mist. Was the cat getting stronger? Margaret O'Brien at this point was terrified and called for a local priest to perform an exorcism on the house. The sacrament seemed to do the trick. It was effective. The arts centre opened and the community came and went as they pleased for months. But the peace was not to last. One evening, a group of drunken actors decided to hold a seance in an attempt to call upon the supposed sinister feline creature they had all heard so much about. They were unfortunately successful. The haunting resumed stronger than ever. The monstrous cat was now joined by the malevolent spirits of two nuns. The nuns terrorised the artsy guests in the building's gallery. This time, Margaret tried a medium for help, who was able to share with them the story behind this supernatural activity. The medium told her that this house was once owned by members of the infamous Hellfire Club, and that these nun spirits had been attendants of a satanic ritual black mass. And now their souls were trapped. In 2012, this story became a possible reality. At another house said to be frequented by the Hellfire Club members, an oil painting was found. A painting depicting a black cat surrounded 
by flames. Killakee House still stands today and is now privately owned. However, rumours of sinister encounters within its walls continue to this day. Thanks, doll. Thanks for watching. And how kind of you to subscribe. Do you believe in werewolves? I don't know if I believe in werewolves. But I mean then, if werewolves don't exist, or didn't ever exist, where did all these stories come from? Let me know of any other cryptids you think I should cover. Salam. Slan, slan. <laughs>